Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to yet again another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. My guest today is Darren Swan. He actually works as a, he's in charge of marketing, does a lot of digital marketing experiences for a big healthcare system called Sparrow Healthcare out of Michigan. And we'll talk primarily about what he calls the digital patient journey, which is something that I just love. The, the whole idea of, if you've read any of the work at RehabUPracticeSolutions.com, any of my work on patient relationship and the patient relationship model and how we as clinicians really need to be cognizant of walking a patient or a client from basically no contact with us, no relationship with us to a trusting, strong, empathetic relationship, you understand that relationships are important in healthcare in any service-based industry, right? And Darren's work really takes it to the next level because we are in a world where healthcare is going digital, whether we might be behind the eight ball or whether we're cutting edge, we're taking a lot of the patient experience and moving it online, whether it be through electronic health records or invoicing and bill payments to scheduling to now telehealth and secure messaging and how they how patients communicate with their providers and their clinicians and within healthcare systems and then how all of that integrates together. Now, Darren is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to everything from how do we work on conversion and what are the the funnels or the bottlenecks on these specific pages to let's look talk about global strategy and how we do exactly what he says, which is you know construct the digital patient journey so that the patients interacting with our healthcare system or with our clinic end up having a very positive experience and have an experience that facilitates or incentivizes them coming back again, right? So without any further ado, let's dive right into the conversation. Here's Darren Swan again from Sparrow Healthcare talking about the digital patient journey. Hey, Darren, welcome to the show. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for asking me to be on board. Oh, yeah. Thanks for being here. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your your history in the kind of digital marketing space in healthcare. Sure, sure. Well, I've actually worked in the digital space since 1996, and um, I currently work as a senior digital marketing specialist at Sparrow Health System. Um, so I've worked in several different agencies throughout my career span. Uh, several different health systems and have worked as a consultant as well. So currently I've been here about a year now and have been working on a lot of telehealth um, uh, projects that I've been working on as well as a lot of digital uh, advertising campaigns as well. Okay. Yeah. So you've been kind of, I think last time we talked, you talked about being involved in like building the intranet, right? So you've been around for, for a good long bit in the digital space. Yeah, after I got out of the military in 96, I actually took an internship. Uh, uh, Bill Clinton was actually trying to build a <clears throat> paperless government wire, uh, government 
network environment. So anything that you could download from the network, the intranet of the federal government, it made it easier so you don't have to print. So you're saving a lot of trees. And I was part of that as uh, I transitioned from a military uh, person from the Air Force to a civilian. So um, yeah, I started out way back in 96, did some consulting and then you know, I'm here now, <laughs> 20, <laughs> 20 some years later. Yeah, so you do digital health campaigns for uh, this Sparrow Healthcare. So does that involve like social media campaigns, educational campaigns, kind of what does that encompass? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a little bit of everything. So um, I do have um, social media under my purview. And so we do work there. But when we talk, uh, at least when I talk about digital marketing campaigns, you know, we talk holistically about a variety of different channels, uh, including social media. So our social media properties include Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. And then, of course, uh, any digital media that we need to put together, the IAB standard ad units that are out there, customized units that are out there. And then um, potentially email marketing campaigns that we may need to put in market. Um, really anything that uh, touches the computer that we can leverage from a marketing and communications perspective. Um, I'll work to manage the teams that we have, whether they're agency teams or whether internal teams, to uh, you know put the communications out in the marketplace as well as develop and design them uh, to ensure you know we're putting the right message out there for for the health system. Yeah, and I'm sure you find that changes based off of the platform and the, kind of the the goal of the campaign, right? Like um, if you're trying to get somebody to come in for a screening versus signing up for an, like a most healthcare systems are like an epic or something like that sign up for like my chart or something right yeah i mean depending on the particular channel that we're using um it, where our message is going to change we have char character limitations for example working from from twitter you know it's character limitations <laughs> that you yes. have um and then of course from the the designs that we put together that might be uh gifs pings or, or jpegs uh, we're limited to space there so yeah depending on uh what the particular campaign is and, and essentially what action we would like the uh, patients to take, or maybe even our caregivers if we're communicating, for example, through LinkedIn, um, everything changes depending on the, the channel and depending on what our strategic objectives are. Yeah, so just kind of broadly speaking, what would be like, I guess, the categories of strategic, strategic objectives? Because you're already talking about we might be you know, messaging to providers within our network, we might be messaging to patients, or we might be messaging to referral sources or prospective patients? Yeah, I mean, there's a variety of campaigns that we do uh, on the digital side. Um, it could be just brand awareness. So at the very top level where we're essentially just making sure that people know that they're trying to make a choice in healthcare, that Sparrow Health System is a part of their, um, a, you know, a part of their choice choices that they can have in the marketplace. Um, so that's kind of the the big one uh, that we we do on a, usually a a quarterly or, or on a, a biannual basis. We have these just large scale brand awareness campaigns, all the way down to, for example, we've talked before about telehealth, where we're launching a telehealth uh, uh, product, and we essentially want people to you know download Zoom and to access their My Sparrow or, or My Chart account, which uh, connects them to Epic and then getting in line to have a video visit. Um, so in the continuum in there is also, we wanna make sure that people are aware of our caregivers, the wars that they've won, any kind of wars that the Sparrow Health System have won. So there's the education about you know the brand there, but you know a little bit uh, smaller focus. 
And then, of course, we want to talk about some of the breakthroughs that we make here, um, whether they're, uh, you know, doctor-related. Uh, we had uh, uh, recently put in a, um, a unique um, a heart device that was uh, the first of its kind in the nation. Um, that's something that we recently did. And then, of course, we always have great patient stories. So stories of uh, usually, you know, young children or someone who's who's on the edge uh, after maybe an accident and that, that make it through. Those are those are nice heartwarming stories that we want to share with the community. And of course, we do get a lot of donations, especially during these times. Uh, the, the essentially, we're looking at probably phase two of the pandemic shortly, but during phase one, we had a lot of great stories where our community really came together. So a lot of different things that we can share with the community to make sure they're aware. Um, and then lastly, of course, we're talking about the phase two aspect. We're trying to make sure that safety is part of the communications what people have to look forward to when they come to the health system uh, and the processes they have to go through to ensure that everyone, you know, follows the rules both at the state uh, level as well as our particular rules to, to ensure that COVID-19 doesn't spread. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of on, on all fronts there. So we've talked a little bit about the, the digital patient journey in that, you know, telehealth, you're rolling out this telehealth and it's really, it's one part, right, of, the, of a patient's interaction with your healthcare system. You know, it's not like they're, they're just coming into my chart to check on something. It's not like they're not, they're just doing a telehealth visit, but they're really involved kind of from stage one all the way through to the end, being touched at some point, right, digital, digital touch points along the way. Can you talk a little bit mm -hmm. about what you mean by the, that, just that idea of the digital patient journey? Sure. I, I would say, uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember the, the time before the internet. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, back in those old days, you know, you actually had to go through a, a telephone book, a large book with numbers in it, uh, both the white and yellow pages. And the yellow pages had the, the, the different uh, businesses you could go to. And of course, word of mouth was great there. But essentially, the times have changed from where you actually go look for a primary care physician you go to that primary care physician, you get referrals. Uh, now, a lot of the research that you're, you're looking for is online. So whether you're, you're researching it, right? a particular, I'm sorry? I said they're Googling it, right? Yeah, yeah, well, and, or they're binging it, <laughs> depending, on, <laughs> depending on your preferred search service. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, essentially people uh, have about, a, you have probably what they've considered to be 13 to 15 additional touch points in that patient journey. And then when we look at that patient journey in the continuum, it's doing the research for finding a, a provider, doing the research for talking about the issue, all the way once you've had diagnosis and treatment, then you have support too. So in, in those multiple steps, um, which depending on who you talk to and how they've broken it down, you know, you have about 15 additional touch points where digital comes in place. And it could be an app, it could be looking at reviews online, it could be finding a location and just mapping it out on Google. Um, it could be connecting with your particular provider for support or asking for more information. But essentially, all of these digital touch points have been added to the patient's journey. So we really have to ensure that we're there providing the best support from a technical standpoint and also providing the best experience so that there's less friction, essentially, as you're going through the process. Uh, you really want to you want to have technology as, a, as something that's helpful and not a hindrance. And that is sometimes a challenge depending on the technology that you're using and leveraging. Yeah. I imagine some of that has to do with like integration, right? So if you're, 
if one part of your health system isn't integrating with your electronic health record or even the patient's account or something like that, or the way they book appointments, do you see a lot of drop off from something like that? Yeah, well, uh, for example, um, on our, you know, our record system, which is using Epic, uh, their chart system called MyChart, which we've obviously branded MySparrow, um, that integration can be opened up quite widely. So people have access to their records, uh, people have the ability to communicate with their primary care physician. People can schedule video visits or they can do them on demand. So there's a lot of great things that those those records open up online for the uh, individual um, patient. Um, at the same time, on our end, that creates challenges as far as that could be a different stream of communication that uh, some of our providers might not be used to. So there's training and education both on the uh, on the provider side, you know, with our doctors or, or nurse practitioners. Um, and there's also education on the consumer side. So, you know, as we talk about those digital touch points and education, we have to do it throughout the health system. It becomes an enterprise level approach. And the great thing is we do have a, a really good IT staff that we have here, and there's really good education that we have access to. It's really up to myself and the team here in marketing to educate the consumer and to make sure that their user experience is as, as, as easy as possible to get through to what they need to access. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I totally even forget about that aspect too. I, I was working at the VA back in 2012, 2013, when they were rolling out secure messaging over there. Uh, gosh, mm -hmm. I think it was VetLink or something like that. And the amount of training that it took just to get the physicians and the nurses and the clinicians to even go in and check their the secure messages they had in their inbox and how do you respond and in a timely manner. I'm sure that whole piece from their aspect was like, we need an entire campaign and education and marketing campaign just to those clinicians about how to do this thing, right? Yeah. Well, and, and I'm fortunate. I'm actually a veteran and I do go to the VA for some of my uh, medical support. So I, I do understand that the challenges that are there, especially with HIPAA compliance. But anytime I think there is a paradigm shift, whether it's just at a, you know, a certain level, say it's just within the VA, that can be challenging. But I mean, we're looking, especially with COVID and the, the phase one that we kind of have gotten past at this part, uh, telehealth has increased dramatically exponentially across the board. And so there's a lot of different systems that are in the marketplace. We use one particular system here. We've tried different systems in the past. And of course we have folks uh, in our space as well, some of our competitors um, that have used different systems too. So I, I think for the consumer, they truly don't care which uh, technology they're using as long as it works. And I think that's the frustration for someone at the, the end of it all is if they're not, you know, getting any kind of success through the use of the technology, if it doesn't work for them, they're going to tell everyone that it doesn't work for anyone. Um, yeah. So it, it really is something that we're still working on. I think we'll be refining it, but I think uh, because everyone knows about it now and everyone has access to it, um, people are going to have really high expectations and I think we have to go out there and meet them. Yeah. Well, and it's, once you turn the, you know, they open the floodgates for telehealth and letting people access care that way, it's very hard to put that genie back in the bottle, you know, <laughs> you know, patients are going to expect yeah. going forward. But we do know those people who are mo more open to telehealth versus those who still want the traditional visit. And so, you know, you still have parallel pathways, making sure, especially during these times, people have access, they feel safe, whether they're coming in or whether they're using a video visit, 
I think they have the same expectations on on the visit, no matter if it's uh, virtual or if it's in you know in, in real life. So um, it's up to us again to meet their expectations, and we don't. Of course, we hear about it right away. Uh, it's another thing about digital is if you upset somebody, they're definitely willing to share that information <laughs> online with anyone that wants to hear about it. Yeah, exactly. and that's not just for health systems as well. That's that's for any yeah, consumer. Go to Yelp, uh, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. They always say you, you don't want a bad Yelp review. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we we actually uh, work on the other side of that too, ensuring that we have a good patient experience and that we're addressing any issues that may come up. Um, I mean, the whole the whole thing that we want at the end of the day is a satisfied patient that has a good outcome. Um, and of course, I think technology can assist greatly on that. Um, and we just don't want that to be an impediment. We want that to just open up more doors. Exactly. Yeah. What, um, on, on your, just your experience, what are those things that might negatively impact a patient's experience? Well, I, I think the biggest one from my perspective is when the technology doesn't work and it doesn't matter if it's their provider, it doesn't matter if it's their cell phone or their connection. If it doesn't work uh, at the end of the day, the ownership really is going to be on the particular health system that provides that feature set. Um, again, even if they're not our issues, we're still yeah. going to be the ones that are they're that in the essentially mouths of one them. bar of cell service, and they want to know why they're yeah. freezing, right? Yeah, and of course, uh, there are multiple steps within uh, that journey that we can control, and there are multiple steps we can't. Um, again, setting that expectation is is appropriate. Uh, educating the consumer of where those challenges are, we really can't necessarily get to that depth. But we can always, you know, provide better customer service to ensure that, you know, the frustration level comes down a little bit. But the consumer at the end of the day is going to have a lot of options and choices. We know that that's happened, especially with COVID. And so we need to provide the best experience possible so that, you know, the word of mouth gets out there and that we have return visits and that people realize that's another option. It may not... Uh, it may just be an additive option to them and they may choose a different pathway. But uh, as long as the option's there and the people that need to embrace and use it are there. But again, no matter what technology it is, what health system, they want that unified experience. They wanna just be able to uh, enter a few lines of information about themselves and see a doctor fairly quickly. Um, and that that's essentially what we're trying to do with our UX and UI is really make it easy for the consumer to get to us and to have a good experience and a good outcome and then to move onward with their particular day. Um, so everyone has the same expectation and when that's not provided, then essentially we have work to do. Yeah. Well, and that kind of speaks to those parallel paths that you were talking about. Some people really are primarily going to be doing in person. They're going to want to talk to somebody on the phone and then go in and see their doctor in person as opposed to somebody who's really like, Oh, I can set up a, you know, send a secure message and set up a, a telehealth visit or something like that. But, those 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 groups of patients aren't mutually exclusive, right? Like some patients that would prefer uh, in-person treatment or in-person interactions might find themselves in a position where they have to do, or it's more convenient or whatever, to do a telehealth visit. And you want to make sure that that integration is smooth enough that it's like, oh no, you you selected the in-person path, so it's going to take 15 more steps for you to set up a telehealth appointment, right? Yeah, yeah, and and at at the end of the day. You know, the expectation is I'm I'm taking this alternative pathway for one reason or another. Usually it's ease of access or maybe it's I don't want to be in line. Yeah. Um, and so we need to deliver against that expectation. 
And like I said, if we don't deliver upon that, we're going to hear about it and there's there's work for us to do. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we want to see happy faces and good outcomes um, so that they'll return and, and continue the care with us. And so um, uh, we want technology, again, not to be an impediment to that. Yeah. So do you find that a lot of the, a lot of managing expectations up front on a patient standpoint is a lot of that education, just basically letting them know, like framing their expectations in the outset, or are you doing anything, I guess, is there anything you can do proactively to kind of put them in a mindset to maybe be a little more patient with a a glitch here and there? Yeah, well, uh, so I I was brought up in the user experience area where the first thing you do is set the expectation. So if it's going to take a few minutes, if it's going to take 10 or 15 clicks, putting that into their mind essentially helps set them up for, uh, you know, success in their pathway. Um, so one of the things we work on as often as we can is to ensure to say, this is going to take you a few minutes. It's not uh, an immediate experience, or I'm going to need a lot of information for you here. So setting that up before someone takes action or before someone goes down a pathway is important. Um, the other thing is uh, there's a different pathway, or I should say there's a different experience depending on if you've already created an account. For example, you already have a MyChart or MySparrow uh-huh. account. Um, if you've already gone through a particular video visit uh, before, we want to make sure that people understand, you know, you may have to create a new account and here's what's going to be required of you. So I think, um, like you mentioned, the best user experience is when you set that expectation and you deliver against it. It's when you set the expectation and don't deliver, or when you don't even mention the user experience yeah. and you don't there's the just going to be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, of course, I, I could talk about Jacob Nielsen, his user experience viewpoints, but you know, I remember when I first started out, people would say, well, you know, put the amount of size of a PDF someone might have to download and then approximate that size that they may have to download uh, as far as time goes based on a standard connection. And so that has kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. But if you're going to give somebody a video opportunity, tell them how much time it might take to watch that. You know, so again, it's, it's setting the expectation up for the user or for the patient and making sure that you deliver against it. There's nothing worse, I think, than when someone says, hey, it's going to take 10 minutes to do something and it takes an hour. Uh, yes, exactly. That's why, like with 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 the DMV, <laughs> we all have uh, stories about going to the Department of Motor Vehicles in any state that we have. But uh, I think the DMV gives you that experience of like next number coming up, and you have no idea how much time that's going to take. It can add a frustration to it, and yeah. we want to remove any of those uh, frustration elements, which of course we refer to as friction. We want to remove that friction as much as possible, so that again the user has a great experience with us. Yeah, so I, it sounds like a lot of that too is kind of taking away the variables as much as possible. Is there anything that you do on that end? Like how much time it's going to take, what it, what information is going to be involved? Yeah, well, I think if, if you, again, you have different pathways. So if I have a new user versus a, a user that's already used a particular platform or system before, I can, you know, I can say to them, hey, it's, you know, going to take less time unless you're a new user, it's going to take more time. So in those kind of pathways, you can set those expectations up. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it, you know, there is going to be a queue or some kind of line in essence. And the more volume that you do have, the more time it will take. So having those pieces of information readily available to the end user to say, you are the 10th person line, you're the fifth person line, 
average wait times are. Those are the kind of things that are very helpful. Um, and we do work with, uh, we have urgent care and fast care facilities as well as walk-in facilities. And then we have built into our digital system the expectation of you're currently the fifth in line and your, you know, your, your wait time is going to be about 20 minutes. That is very helpful, especially if someone needs to drive to a location versus someone having a, a video visit, then you can tell them the queue right there and they can, you know, go get a drink of water or go take care of the kids and then come back and know that, you know, they're going to be able to see the doctor. Setting those expectations makes it better for them to make decisions about their lifestyle. Yeah, kind of how how the care is going to work in their particular circumstance, as opposed to trying to bend their whole uh, their whole day and routine around it, right? Waiting around for a call that yeah. might come or a telehealth visit that might or might not start at a certain time. Yeah, and then of course we have the ability to set up and schedule video visits too. So that's very helpful, especially if someone's like, "I can't do this right now." but maybe at 1 p.m. today I can do it. Okay, you can schedule that and you'll be able to set that up. So um, giving them options and making sure that you can deliver against it, extremely important. Yeah. Well, and so how much does this apply to, I mean, this is, y'all are a big healthcare system with you know several facilities and clinics and primary care and ancillary healthcare services. How does this translate into someone maybe that's running a small, maybe, two or three clinics or maybe even a single clinic? Like, are, are, is there some of this stuff that by nature translates or does it become a whole different ball of wax as you scale or as you unscale in this sense where you're going smaller? Yeah, well, I would say that, you know, we're a decent sized health system, you know, with, with five primary uh, hospitals uh, and a lot of points of care over, I wanna say 120 points of care um, throughout mid-Michigan. So we are fairly large, not of course the largest, but um, we do okay. If you um, are a smaller facility, I think it makes it easier. Maybe you have a couple groups uh, or locations. Let's say you're, you know, you have three or four rehab facilities within a region. I think it's it's much easier because you can easily more easily iron out any kind of technological issues you have, um, and I think you can more easily address systemic issues because you don't necessarily have an enterprise level system. Um, and as you mentioned, as you scale larger, it creates unique challenges. A lot of that has to do with just consistency, making sure everyone's on the same page with regards to processes, making sure everyone's talking to each other, making sure that you're documenting correctly, and making sure that as you move forward, you're addressing those concerns, whether it be on the consumer side or whether it be internal. Um, so I think, I think it's, uh, it would it'd be kind of nice to you know, see a smaller system as it grows and scales. Um, but as long as, as you scale larger, you're ensuring that you're taking care of the processes to address concerns, um, as you scale, um, I think it, 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 it is not as problematic if you had a system that didn't have something in place and then you're automatically saying, oh gosh, how do I, how do I initiate a process that's system wide and ensure all of my health system providers are engaged and aware. Um, because there's an educational aspect if you install a, an enterprise level system that someone needs to work on and expect everyone to be proficient at it on day exactly, one. So yeah. Um, yeah, working in the enterprise is sometimes a challenge of setting expectations internally too as far as how long it can take to set up a particular system or set up a process. Um, and the great thing is we have really good communication here in the health system 
and we have, like I said, a very motivated IT staff. So it makes it a lot easier for the team here in marketing. Yeah. So I guess the, the takeaway there is if you're small and you're putting things together, start as you start scaling, knock out those, we call it in the VA SOPs, you know, standard operating procedures, make sure you're yeah. getting them ironed out as you grow so that you end up, you don't end up being, you know, five hospitals deep going, okay, now we need to initiate telehealth and we have no idea how it's going to integrate into our system, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I remember when I actually went overseas, I, uh, I was Desert Storm, Desert Shield. And I, when I went to the Middle East, I went to my new location, didn't know any of the processes. They were well documented, the SOPs were. And as I sat down at the computer, I could easily follow step by step what I needed to do, even though I was replacing someone who couldn't take that institutional knowledge and share it with me. So I think the, the military, the government's a good example of that. Once you standardize a process and are ensured that it's well documented, uh, heaven forbid someone wouldn't return to work tomorrow, but as long as someone were able to follow your documentation, the standard operating procedures uh, can be distilled easily and implemented. And so that is kind of the nature uh, from a scalability perspective from one system, uh, from one particular uh, business to maybe 20 different businesses as it scales. It just makes it a lot easier uh, to have that kind of documentation so people are aware. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, th I think that's like a really that good example. To leave, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, from time to time, I have to wear different hats here. Someone goes on vacation, et cetera. Um, the great thing is, you know, we discuss it ahead of time and then we debrief after someone comes back. Um, so we're all fairly interchangeable. Uh, marketing uh, has a pretty tight-knit tight group here, and we're all pretty aware of what other people's jobs are. I know on the digital side, we seem a little different to some folks because we are a little more technologically driven, um, but it's, it's fairly easy to get other people involved uh, in, in what you're doing day to day um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's all communication and marketing. Um, it's just, you know, you're using different tools depending. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point too. So you're, you're kind of in charge of the, the digital aspect of marketing communications. Do you, so you interface, I'm assuming with the broader healthcare, your healthcare systems marketing team, right? Yeah. So um, I work on the traditional side as well. I mean, after 20 plus years of experience, uh, most, most are on the agency side, uh -huh. um, but also I've worked at uh, two different healthcare systems uh, directly. And then I worked as a consultant with a healthcare system before as well. But um, I had a lot of automotive work out in Detroit um, in the early 2000s. And so, um, you know, that experience has allowed me to see other channels besides digital, but really digital is my forte because that's where I cut my teeth, you know, learned all the server side stuff, the HTML stuff, the design stuff, primarily from the digital side. Um, but as I, as I grew along, the traditional stuff is still there. But yeah, um, occasionally I'll jump in and assist uh, with folks from a branding perspective or communication perspective. Um, but generally speaking, we have uh, delineated the the digital folks from the traditional folks, if you will. Yeah. Okay. Um, I wanted to go back to something you said about earlier about kind of this continuum, and you've got, uh, you know, whether they're they're initiating treatment or whether there's there's diagnosis and treatment going on and support afterwards are you, how much of that is would you consider like marketing and communications and how much of that is like IT support and where does the kind of where do the lines or are there lines blurred there or are they just kind of blended 
Well, I think I think what we do on the marketing side is it's it's the awareness. Um, the focal point is for us to to ensure that services are delivered correctly from a communication standpoint. Uh-huh. Um, so I think we do fit in there sometimes if you're receiving some email communications, for example, from the Epic platform. Uh, of course, a lot of those uh, communications are very are already very standardized. So um, if it's a particular issue or a lab test, a lot of that stuff is uh, is kind of already set. Um, for for us on our end, a lot of it's how do they come in and how do they go out and how do we ensure they had a good experience. So it's very holistic. Sometimes we don't necessarily get down into the details of, well, let's you know tweak that particular email communication. It's kind of like, well, you know, if you're telling someone they have a lab test that they need to pick up, it's fairly mundane and it's already been standardized. Yeah. Um, so I would say. If there's a marketing component, I think anytime it relates to the brand or the process through the system, we would probably engage on that. Um, but anytime it's uh, it's a little more sterile and a little more direct, uh, I think there's already you know pre-developed communications that may may have been developed five to ten years earlier by one of my associates. But um, generally, we're not getting in there unless it's you know campaign driven. And I, what I mean campaign driven is, you know, obviously with uh, telehealth, we've been focused on that the last three, four months. And so uh, we're still working to better that process to the best of our capabilities. And we're going to evolve that as a service over, over the time frame over the next year or so. So we're always going to be there when it comes to people coming in and people having a good experience and then communicating to them after the experience to ensure that they've had the right outcome. Yeah. Um, some of the generic messaging we're, we're not necessarily going to deal with. So I think it really just depends on the communication type and the approach that we're looking at. Uh-huh. So are you doing a lot of post-care surveys or post-care, post-care like questionnaires with, with clients or patients? Yeah, so we're, we're actually working, with, working on that now. There's some patient experience documentation that's required from a, uh, yeah, a state and federal level uh, for compliance. But we are trying to work uh, surveys into the user into the uh, patient's user experience. So we're trying to get more feedback. We're getting analytics and data. We're trying to figure out where drop-off is occurring, where any friction is occurring. Uh, the old adage is: the more data I add to collecting to someone on, online, the more likely they are to drop off in the process. Uh-huh. Uh, that primarily was, you know, e-com or you know. Uh, any kind of purchasing behavior online, that does translate as well to a patient experience. And so we're trying to figure out what is the maximum amount of questions we can potentially ask someone and ensure they have the best uh, healthcare experience and and not overburden them with the information flow. Um, so we're still working on how do we optimize communications? Uh, how do we optimize collection of that information? and not get it, uh, the drop off um, that we might be seeing. So uh, that, there's always a delicate balance. How much information do we ask for upfront versus how much information should be asked for after you make contact person to person. So, um, you know, we're constantly monitoring that particular process to make it better. Uh, but at the end of the day, we do want direct consumer response on, uh, you know, how much frustration did they have? Did they? Is there anything we can do to make that experience better from from their perspective, especially on the digital side? So the more qualitative and quantitative data that we can have, the better uh, decisions we can make and the better actionable intelligence we have from a business standpoint. So yeah, uh, we're really focused on on qualitative and, and uh, 
quantitative data to ensure we, you know, we have the right decisions uh, or the ability to make the right decisions in place. Yeah. How are you, this is just kind of a side thing here, but how are you kind of managing the qualitative data standpoint? Cause it's not like you're just taking a you know, scale of one to 10 and we got 50%, you know, saying seven or whatever, like qualitative data takes a little bit of a little bit more effort, right. To sift through and read. And especially if it's open-ended questions or are you even, offering like short answers or anything like that on those surveys? Yeah, so we're, we're going to be implementing uh, surveys in place shortly, specifically on the telehealth side. Um, but, you know, we do actually collect information uh, on the website, whether it's through, you know, anything that they're doing on the mobile side or if they're working on uh, through any kind of website communications they're looking at. So, you know, we look at both. Quantitative data is fairly easy because I can put Google Analytics on a page. Yes. And then I can make a funnel and determine where the drop-off point is. And I can, you know, easily see, oh, I'm losing people on page three of this particular process. I can look at it and then say, well, I can make some estimated decisions or, you know, tweak but I really here, do need sometimes that input. What's that? I said you can tweak a page here, tweak a page there. If you see the, the drop-off is falling, you know, this link or this, this section, right? Yeah, or, you know, we can surmise that maybe we're asking just too many questions or asking for too much data. But at the end of the day, we really do want the patient to say, you know what, I just, I just want to click a couple buttons and get there. I just want to, you know, I just want to talk to a, a, a provider more quickly. And it's, you, you know, you're putting challenges up there that maybe I can't answer a few questions. So we, we do appreciate the inputs uh, from our, our patients. We also get a lot of great inputs from our caregivers. They'll see right away when they're talking to patients, you know, where the challenges are. So that, that qualitative feedback is, is very important. Uh, the quantitative feedback can tell us, I think, a little more quickly, you know, we have a challenge here within some process or maybe people aren't getting to certain pages. Uh, but at the end of the day, we use both of those as tools to make decisions on making that user experience better. Yeah. The quantitative information is really good for, for process. And then the qualitative is like the, the lived experience, right, of the patient moving through your healthcare system. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so, some, some people said, you know, one's the, the warm fuzzy and the other yeah. one's just the hard data. So uh, sometimes in between is the truth, if you will, because you can also often look at data and, and try to make a guess of why people are dropping off. But until you start talking to them, you won't really necessarily know it's just a theory. So, so you really need both of those to make better decisions. Yeah. All right. Well, Darren, thanks for taking the time to talk with us about oh, the no digital, problem. Patient, uh, digital patient journey. If there's one or two big takeaways that you'd have for the listeners about digital marketing and healthcare and the digital patient journey, what would they be? Well, I think, I think there's a couple things to look at. I, I think that digital is going to be the pathway in the future. Um, people are going to be figuring it out and getting it right. And I think there's going to be a lot of people figuring out and getting it wrong. Um, those winners that come out at the end, uh, you're going to have to be used to these uh, delivery systems. If you're a provider, you're going to have to kind of embrace them and say, technology is the way of the future. How do I educate myself to become better at delivering healthcare, maybe through technology? If you're a consumer or a patient, uh, which we technically all are. We all are, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have better choices in the marketplace, and I think that's a great thing. Um, I think we have to be careful that 
there are enough choices and there isn't one particular only choice in the marketplace when it comes to technology. So I'm hoping we're just all going to get better together and there's all going to, there's going to be all these different choices we can make. And then I'm hoping in three to four years, uh, we're not talking about some of the challenges that we're currently encountering. Um, one of the things we're seeing is a lot of the folks are coming in through um, mobile. So tablet, they're coming in through their mobile phone. Uh, some of the challenges that are currently here today, today uh, especially if you're in a rural area, is, you know, connectivity. So yeah, I'm hoping that, uh, yeah, the next generation of communication systems will make it much easier for those in rural areas to communicate and connect. Um, but again, it's it's all about getting more choices in the in the system. It's it's all about giving people a way to approach their, uh, you know, their caregiver in the way that they most want to, uh, most easily for them. Um, so that they get the outcomes that they want. And I'm hoping everybody can get healthier through technology. That's really the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, if people want to learn more about you and your work, maybe even Sparrow, where, where would you send them? Well, I, I guess technically, uh, uh, if, you, if you want to know more about me, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Darren Swan, D-A-R-I-N-S-W-A-N. It's pretty easy. Uh, usually have a uh, short choppy haircut and uh, <laughs> Sparrow Health System is on my um, profile. I also have uh, thedarrenswan.com as uh, my website, which has my CV and some of my academic work in it. Um, and again, Darren Swan, D-A-R-I-N-S-W-A-N. And then of course, Sparrow, we're at sparrow.org, S-P-A-R-R-O-W.org. Um, and, um, you know, we're just keep putting out new things. If anyone wants to take a look at our video visit pathway, um, it's sparrow.org uh, dot, uh, or sorry, slash uh, video visit. Uh, people can actually uh, see the pathway through um, the video visit, especially if they're in the, uh, the mid-Michigan area. Uh, they can actually see our, our caregivers 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. at this point. And we're looking to expand those services in the next few months so we can go 24 hours. Oh, awesome. Well, cool deal. Thanks again for taking the time, Darren. Hey, no problem. Anytime. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Darren Swan from Sparrow Healthcare Group out of Michigan. I think one of the things that stood out to me now that I'm re-listening to this interview, prepping it to, to get dropped, is the idea of the importance of internal stakeholders whenever we're implementing some of these technologies or communication strategies or platforms even. It reminds me of when I was at the VA circa 2013, you know, 2014, so about six, seven years ago. And the VA was experimenting with, at the time, a couple different initiatives. One was a, a kiosk system to help veterans check in and out of their appointments more efficiently or efficiently. And then the next one was secure messaging. So the way it would work was it would either send an email or a text message to the patient's phone and they could respond or initiate a message to their treating clinician. And the deal was, or at least the way it was described and sold to the patients that were receiving services at the VA were that was that they would have this secure messaging app or they would be able to log in and they would be able to send a message and within 24 hours they would have a response no matter what. Well, they rolled this program out and they did a great job getting the interface right. It sent messages the way it was supposed to. You were able to log in and the patients were able to log in and access it easily, more or less, and shoot, in, shoot a message to their provider. 
the piece that was missed in the rollout was educating the stakeholders that were going to be implementing it. So the clinicians that were supposed to be now responding to these messages or the admin staffs were supposed to be supporting clinicians who were supposed to be responding to these messages. And then they didn't get any buy-in from stakeholders, from the internal stakeholders either. So this thing rolled out and it was supposed to be great. The you know, patients were supposed to have a great experience. It was, again, that digital patient journey, the, that piece of the puzzle was going to be in place and working well. However, when it rolled out, the clinicians revolted against it because they were, one, they weren't told about it or educated about it appropriately. And two, they didn't know how to work it. So there were messages that were sitting in, uh, you know, when they rolled it out at my clinic, for example, I had a patient come in for their initial evaluation. I brought him in. I was still treating at the time. And I said, hey, Mr. So-and-so, come on in. Let's get you started. You know, my name's Raphael and da-da-da-da-da. And he stopped me and said, I sent you a secure message two weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I had we had secure messaging enabled at this clinic yet. <laughs> so it just goes to remind us that while it's very important to understand and to plan for and to educate our patients and our clients on different touch points and different interfaces within their digital patient experience, it's also important to ensure that the clinicians, the front level staff, the admin staff that are going to be on the receiving end of it or the administrative end of those platforms also are on board their competent and they're bought in to the idea of implementing it as well. So whether, again, that takes like what Darren talked about doing a big internal market and enterprise level marketing communication education campaign to get internal stakeholders on board, you might have to do the same thing in your in your practice if you're running a multi-facility practice or something like that. Or if you're running a small practice, just you and a couple of admin staff, you, know, you still got to get them on board. So interesting topics. Hopefully you found that interview and that conversation insightful. All right. What do we got going on the next couple of weeks? We are going to take a little break in two weeks when the next episode drops from technology. We've been very heavy on telehealth in the last few episodes. How do we implement telehealth? How do we deliver telehealth services? What does the digital patient journey look like? How do we craft one? How does AI and technology interact with with healthcare delivery. We're going to take a little bit of break from that. And we have another occupational therapist on the show. Her name is Laura Figueroa. She is an occupational therapist that runs a nature-based practice, which means she leverages being out in nature and the positive benefits of nature uh, to achieve outcomes. She runs a pediatric clinic, so it's all about kids in her practice, but we talk broader kind of about the research and evidence out there supporting the use of nature in the broader context of healthcare service delivery. So again, it's going to be a little bit outside of the the tech space, which is going to be nice for some of you, I guess. So you'll, you'll get a break from the tech and you'll get to talk about what some people call the real, real world, right? Health, you know, healthcare is, it's nice to talk about the tech and the computers and the internet, but there's something truly valuable about getting out in the fresh air. So look forward to that interview dropping in a couple weeks. If you like what we're doing here, you can head on over to www.betteroutcomes.show. There you can see all the past episodes we've dropped to date. You can sign up for our email list and we'll deliver the new episodes as they drop straight to your inbox. 
We drop new interviews every other week. And then every now and then you get a bonus episode, a solo cast, me talking about uh, an important topic or a topic of the day or answering questions or emails that I receive about the show. If you really like what you're doing, you want to support us a little bit more, you can head on over to iTunes, give us a rating and review. It helps people find the show, find out about us, and learn about what we're all about here at The Better Outcomes Show. All right, folks, until the next episode, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.RehabYouPracticeSolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.